Welcome back. This is a very special episode of Unleashed and Unhinged with, of course, myself in Shivers. But we've got my partner in crime, Dominic, home with us today from Canine Caregivers. And we'll be breaking down all kinds of things as time goes on together for these little bonus episodes. If you want to learn more, go to caninecaregivers.com.au and you'll see all of our resources right there. But let's just dive straight into the episode. You're picking the topic this week. Yes. So it's kind of, it's more of a statement question. Oh, go on. Yep. Yeah. And we, you would have heard it often over the years and it's a very general one, but we'll see where you go. (laughs) Statement that you would often hear and how will you answer it? When will they grow out of this behavior? (laughs) so it's in like the client is so a caregiver comes to you calls you in um they have a young dog obviously so it's okay i'll 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 build a story they have a young dog um and the dog is displaying behaviors such as barking um digging up the backyard jumping on grandma when grandma comes inside, Mm. stealing food off the coffee table, stealing shoes, you know, all normal things that young dogs do. Doing all the things. Doing all the things that is normal for a dog in a human household. Yeah. Um, But also maybe things like pulling on lead. Yeah. uh, Yeah. Not coming back when called. Yeah. um, And possibly lunging towards people and dogs. All right. And the, you come into the caregiver and you see they're exhausted and they're tired and, you know, they've been talking to people at the local dog park and Googling on... Google. Google? <laughs> <laughs> so you looked at me and your face put me off. <laughs> Snorty today. Snorty today. And you sit down and you explain. Yeah. And they said, but when will they grow out of it? Right. Um, will they grow out of it? That's a, yeah, I get asked that. Will they grow out of it? Um, I even get asked just the, like, should I let my dog just grow out of it? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and very rarely do, is the answer yes. Okay, so let's look at it of things that um, dogs would grow out of. Hmm. With some caveats, obviously. Yeah. So let's say we've got a dog, a puppy that's 12 weeks and you've come in, again, similar situation, you've come into the caregiver to do a session and they're doing these behaviours. Are there any behaviours that you could say to the caregiver, yes, yes, this puppy will grow out of this if? Oh, yeah, I mean, if. But that's not just growing out of it. The thing is, like with it, when it comes to this question, my normal, my first thing that comes to mind is they'll get better at whatever they practice, mm-hmm. right? So if circumstances don't change, then it's very likely that its behaviour is going to carry on. And so 
if unless the caregiver changes something, mm -hmm. then the dog is not going to grow out of it. Now, over time, if the caregiver kind of, even if they thought, well, I didn't really address that, there's a good chance that they changed their behavior. So the dog didn't just grow out of it. And even if, even at the very kind of, you couldn't actually attribute the change in behavior and the dog no longer doing it to just growing out of it. It would have actually been trained not to. So the answer to will they grow out of it? No. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the end of the live today. Thank you very much for joining us. <laughs> but like, okay, let's take a really common one. Puppy mouthing, right? Yep. So dogs often putting putting the your hands and your arms in the dog's mouth um, and there are, in inverted commas, puppy reasons for this happening, right? There mm -hmm. are reasons that might be associated with that puppyhood, like the teething stage, the exploring their environment stage, the just the fact that they haven't got, um, they're, they're learning about social cues from others and that they might be inexperienced in picking up when somebody's had enough of that behavior or it's not appropriate. Yeah. Um, so these are all behaviors that I would expect to happen as a puppy, but I wouldn't just let the puppy grow out of doing it. No. Well, I think, yeah. And that's, that's, that's where the, the kind of question lies because people are sometimes told or made to believe that they're just puppy behaviors and, and they will just grow out. They'll just disappear all of a sudden when they're no longer yeah, like, puppies. Yeah. And it goes back to, like every other behavior that we talk about addressing and trying to change and train and however else we want to word that, um, why is the behavior happening? Because let's say that the mouthy behavior was driven by teething pain. And so when it was experiencing teething pain because of the way that the teeth are growing, it started to mouth and chew then there is a good chance that, yeah, they grow out of that because that in, in a couple of months' time, that's not going to – the dog's not going to be going through the, the same conditions, like the pain in the mouth. Mm. And so the need to chew for that reason, the mouth for that reason, isn't there anymore. But. But. <laughs> but. There can always be other variables. It will, it's very rare that it's just one in the – presence of just one reason yeah because there's a good chance that if he's chewing your hands that it's something to do with your hands being near his face right <laughs> so it's um so doing this it's, it's, I mean, we all do it come on you know you get down on the floor with a puppy and, and you're all of a sudden you do piano hands on the on the ground to um, engage the puppy to come over to you and then the puppy grabs your hand and you're like what are you doing yeah i'm a repeat offender with kittens <laughs> and I'm really allergic to them. Oh, God. So, I know. And, and after all these years, and I mean years, um, most of my life of, of doing this, because I just love it, right? And I'll go and play with the kittens and I'll, they'll scratch my hands up and they'll like play bite me. And my eyes will swell up like golf balls and my throat will close. And you um, walk out looking like Michelin man. Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> and next time I see a kitten, 100% I'm going to do it again. But... I didn't grow out of it. And <laughs> no, you did not. <laughs> but, but okay, so the thing is, say, for example, the dog has teething issues, uh, teething pain, and a sensitivity to hands in their space. Yeah. Then the mouthing may well 
have been the default behavior for that dog at that age. But if the circumstances only change to the point where the dog is no longer experiencing teething pain, but still has a sensitivity to hands in their space and hands keep on coming into their space, mm. I'm, I would say that it's really likely to continue seeing mouthing, if not an right. escalation of the mouthing. Yeah. As you said, if it's a behavior that has a function for the dog at the time, no matter what the age, whether it is something like mouthing, um, but even things like... The leash point one's a big one. I get a lot. Leash pulling is, is a huge one because I think there is that, you know, people put a lead, a collar and a lead on, on a puppy um, and there is that, for me, bewilderment of, oh, yeah, they were born knowing... How to walk on a lead. How to walk on a lead. Like a um, military dog, yeah. But also because I think there is that mis, uh, misunderstanding of when people first take puppies out on a lead and a lot of them, you, or you'll get a mix, but, you know, a lot of them, they'll go outside and they'll sit down and go, oh, wow, stuff. <laughs> so automatically there is, well, dependent on the yeah. person, some people will try and drag the puppy, some people will try and lure the puppy as opposed to allow them the, the time oh. and space to just take in the world that's just slapped them in the face yeah. for the first time. But then then when the puppy gets a little more confident and comfortable with their environment, they go from sitting to running. Yeah. Uh, so there's, there's, there's nothing on the in-between. Now, obviously, when you first get that puppy and take them outside, they need that time and space. It's mm. not when you should be doing loosely walking, but you should have been doing it inside. Yeah. So they go from going, oh, wow, to, oh, my God, I really want to investigate everything. This is really amazing. So there's not that in-between, but also because people will come up and say hello to the puppy and people like that, so it's reinforcing for the humans as well as it is for the dog. So then the puppy learns to start to pull towards people and then they, you know, you see people leading their puppies to on-lead yeah. dogs. So then they learn to pull towards on-lead dogs. And so there's all of this kind of learning opportunity that's missed after the puppies starts to become or is comfortable with being outside. Yeah. And people are like, oh, they're just so excited to meet someone and they're so excited to meet meet another dog. And then the puppy goes from, a you know, an, a, an eight kilo puppy to a 15 kilo puppy and it's, you know, it's a pulling machine. Yeah. And they just think, well, that they'll, they'll grow out of it. It's, I would say leash pulling is the, Behavior that they grow out of it least in terms of they're least likely to grow out of it. Like well, from, what, from what I've seen anecdotally. And I think by that stage, by the time you and I get called in for something like leash pulling, yeah. you've got such a long history of reinforcement for that pulling that it's almost hard, it's harder to work with than, than aggression. It's so hard. It's, because you can't avoid that unless you drive your, your dog to the park every day. I've had clients that have, it's, it's taken longer to get the dog to walk calmly on a lead. And so we would invest so long on that. And then finally we're like, okay, now we've got some sort of some sort of coherence in the dog when we're out in public. The reactivity part of it just, oh, that was easy. Comparatively. Yeah. Because, I mean, I, I, there's a lot of backstory in that. Like, there's a lot of just trying to get the dog somewhat coherent in the first place so that they can actually take cues out in public. Yeah. Like, that takes so much work. That groundwork is so hard to do and it takes effort and consistency. And 
doesn't always move linear. But oh, it's never linear. No. And so, but like once we've done that work, actually training a reactive dog is so much easier because that is the foundation of the reactive work. But if that dog's pulling on the lead, often I'll find people, they don't associate necessarily. They're like, oh, I'm going to go off on tangent now, but I'll try, I'll try and circle it back by the end of this paragraph. Um, <laughs> but, um, you know, there, there, there's so much going into that that people actually go, oh, but my dog's reactive. Why are we working on leash handling and pulling and like, the same, <laughs> the same thing. Um, and it, it was often stems from those early days of I'll be permissive of this. Um, I don't, it's not even an unwanted behavior, is it? At first, it's like, oh, my, I like my dog pulling me. Look how happy they are. It's only small. It doesn't matter. They'll grow out of it. And then, like you said, months down the track, it's this. We've got a work with this Labrador at the minute, and she's only six months. Mm. But the couple are in their 70s, 80s. And she is a good 20, 25 kilos already. And she's she's a monster on the lead. Yeah. Um, there's one, the, the, the lady just frankly cannot walk her. I think, you know, it's probably half her body weight. Yeah. So it's just not an option, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, but that dog has been allowed and encouraged almost to pull. And I, yeah, yeah, I think it, it, look, it just comes down to the lack um, of understanding that, you know, there might be some behaviors like, not even behaviors, so yeah. dogs that excited we. Yeah. That's, it's, it's a behavior, but it, that has got something to do with the physiology of the dog yeah. that they are not controlling. There is no positive. Or, oh, well, it could be a negative outcome if they're being reprimanded for it. They yeah. can't help it. But there is no positive or there is no function. There so, is no um, cognitive function for this dog yeah. to excited we. It just happens. Yeah. You know, we all excited we. <laughs> what, you don't? No, actually. Um, yeah. But, you will. Yeah, I'm sure. Um, <laughs> you will. You're getting to that age. It's coming. Incontinence pads for you. Mm. Um, things like that where there is physiological, physiological changes within, within the dog that happens through that growth when they come into adulthood, that those things they may grow out of. Yeah. But behaviours that they practice that has a positive outcome and function for them, is it, they're not going to grow out of it. No. Even dogs that when they are mouthing, if a gain starts out, so when you see people with puppies and the puppy starts mouthing and, you know, people start to actually engage in a game, what you like what you were talking before where, you know, the puppy's actually saying they're, they're, uh, they're averse, they're, they have an aversion to hands near their mouth. Mm. When you go the other side of the scale, if a puppy is mouthing, and, and I've seen that a lot with people, and they're like, oh, they're just mouthing, they're just mouthing. But then you've got a 25-kilo Labrador that's really mouthing and they don't have that inhibition because, you know, the – one person in the house has a higher pain threshold yeah. and then you've got a, you know, a young child or, you know, an older person that has thinner skin, but the dog has learned through puppyhood. This is how we engage. That we engage by grabbing onto hands or I remember a dog that I came across in a rescue I worked at years ago 
And this dog was kept outside from the time it was a puppy. And every time someone came out, it was like a, a rough and tumble game. Yeah. Then he got became a very large 30-something kilo bull Arab mix. Yeah. Where he was biting, not aggressively, mm. but he had learned to basically to get in any interaction from someone that you jump up and you grab yeah. and you grab and you pull and you grab and you pull. And it doesn't have to be deliberately turned into a game. Like... Huh. By the person, like they might be going, no, no, and moving real fast and saying, stop it. And the dog's like, this is great. I get to make you move and talk. Yeah. And this is the more, this is the most engagement I've had all day. This is definitely the best way to get your attention. And it's yeah, funny you say that. I was with a client yesterday and we'd done some work and it was, it was quite stressful for the dog. Uh, we came back in and we moved to an area which is used predominantly for play for this young dog. She's seven months. Um, and as soon as I walked into the space, mm. she was jumping up and grabbing my arm. Yeah. So, I, you know, I crossed my arms and then she kind of stopped and then I put my hand in my treat bag and she sat and then I, you know, I did a find it. But her first instinct when we walked into that space was to jump up and, and grab me. And then when I spoke to, you know, the kids, oh, yeah, that happens. It's like this because in this space. Yeah. So instantly any up there and the, it's a big property. Yeah. Nowhere else. And this is the third time I've seen this dog. She's never jumped on me like that before. Mm. But in this space, which we hadn't worked before, she was like, oh, so here we do this. Yeah. It's like somebody welcoming you into the games room. It's like, by the way, in here we play pool and they just pick up a stick. Yeah, yeah. And like, there's the assumption, well, while we're here, yeah. this is what we're doing, right? Or we yeah. walked into a bar, I'll buy you a beer. Yeah, yeah. Because that's the preconceived idea this dog had. Well, that uh, in, exactly. So what the, the context environment cued this dog is, whoo, playtime. Yeah. Like me, dance floor, dancing. That takes us so. This brings me to another one that I hear will my dog grow out of it a lot, and it's the will. It's the association of space. A really common example I'll hear is like people sit down on the sofa to watch TV and relax at the end of their day, yeah. and their dog learns. I'm going to get loads of attention right now. I'm going to bark at you. I'm going to play. I'm going to bring you toys, and we're basically just going to run amok. Mm -hmm. And there's a real conflict of interest here because. This is the time when the family are like, I'm bucket. I just need to rest and sleep or just, just zone out and come down for my day. Yeah. And the dog has got this learnt, completely taught, uh, different association of this time and space. Yeah. And what people, the mistake I see people make there is they'll go, well, I'll just tire them out. Yeah. I'll just, I'll just throw the ball for a few minutes or I'll play tug of war or whatever for a few minutes and then the dog will settle. Now, maybe the first few times they do that, the dog settles after a few minutes. But this dog always seems to go, well, yesterday was five and today's five and a half and the day after that's six and the day after that's six and seven. Yeah. Like it just extends and extends and extends because the dog isn't growing out of it. They're practicing what it is that they're doing. Mm. And so it just goes often for me when I hear, will my dog grow out of it? And that's what they're intending it's a huge red flag for me because they're often not actually addressing it. And if anything, compounding the opposite to what they want to teach. 
Well, because they, again, they have this belief that, well, they'll grow out of it anyway, so what's the harm? Yeah. So they don't understand that what they're doing is building a behaviour that's got a really solid foundation. And I think especially with what you just explained, when puppies have that witching hour <laughs> and they go, oh, okay, well, you, we'll, we'll just do this, and that's where that game that you just explained starts from. Yeah. Oh, they're, you know, they're doing the zoomies or they, you know, I mean, you're better off just letting the puppy do the zoomies and pass out. Yeah. As a, I remember going to see one client, you know, the puppy did the zoomies, they jumped, you know, ran up over the to- top of the couch and they're like, I mean, we, we don't want the dog on the couch. Can't have the dog on the yeah. couch. Yeah, so that's it. It's that conflict of interest. Exactly. So then they created this game. And that was, you know, throw the ball, bring it back, throw the ball, bring it back. Then, you you know, you've got an 18-kilo dog, bring the ball, 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 yeah. ball, ball. Yeah. Um, and they thought, we, well, we thought they'd grow out of it. Mm-mm. No. It's, yeah, you see it so often. And it's like, I think you hit the nail on the head earlier when you said if the behaviour results in a reward that they're cognitive of and they continue to get reward rewarded for it they're not going to grow out of it well no because the whole thing is like if we we go right into the 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 brain of the animal animal as well as the dog as well as how it's feeling right so you do an animal does something that either well when you learn you create a, a neural pathway if it has a reinforcement meaning positive or negative you get you start to grow those synapses the more you practice it's the stronger the synapses and more synapses keep going off so then it becomes solid so then it becomes a habit so that goes from being cognitive to unconscious Mm. so it's like this just happens yeah like what i was saying with that dog she goes into that area and it's this is what's played she didn't think about it it was she was just her, her her unconscious mind like you sit in a car you put the well, I would hope you put the key in the ignition. Most people can do that without looking. Mm. Most. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad you said that because it doesn't have to, you're right, it doesn't have to be a reward they're cognitive of. It just has to be reinforcing. It has to be reinforcing and have a function of some description for that dog. Yeah. And it has to have a meaning for that dog. So whether it is positive or negative mm. is. I suppose on the surface relevant mm. if it's become something that is, is a habit for the dog. I mean, yeah. if you think about bad habits that, you know, dogs have, humans have, we might see someone who, you know, for me, someone who eats really badly. If I eat. You've seen me eat. And I judge you. I know. <laughs> but, you know, my, but I would be like. Repulsed. No, no. But you know how I eat, right? So I'm, I'm I've very. I've never seen you eat because I've always got my face down on my plate. This is very true. But you know, I'm, I very, eat very healthily. Yes. And, you know, I am very uh, careful about what I eat. So when I see people eat badly all the time, I'm like, oh my god! Like you must feel tired and you must feel full all the time. And to me, that's really negative. I can't think of anything worse than eating until I'm full. Because <laughs> that feeling, and um, it for me that's an aversive. So I eat, but I eat enough to f- be satisfied. You eat till you burst. Well, I feel like yeah, exactly, and I feel like you've never that's so unsatisfying. <laughs> it's like oh, but I ate you, and I'm still hungry. <laughs> I don't. Yeah, we're not going no. into that. It's not about my eating habits. Thank you very much. Or <laughs> <All> mine. <laughs> or yours. But do you know what I mean? Like what what I find that to me is aversive. So if someone yeah. puts a massive plate of food in front of me, I find that aversive. 
for you, you know, all your Christmases have come at once and you'd look at mine and say, I'll take hers too. Yes. So when you're looking at what puppies might do in the early stages where we as humans will not see the meaning for that dog for that behaviour, so we'll go, oh, well, they'll just go out of it because it doesn't really mean anything. But if you continue to see any behaviour at any age more than twice, then that has a meaning for that dog. Yeah. And that is going to be a behaviour that, you know, might be something that needs to be rectified or trained out or, you know. Well, you look at uh, it's something to just instantly look at and go, what's the cause of that? And then, well, yeah. then you adapt your environment to either set that up to happen more often or less, whichever direction you want to bloody take it. Do you know what my one that popped into my head, um, and I remember years ago, again, when I was a baby trainer and I was like, hang on, I don't know, uh, tail chasing. Yeah. I, you know, this, it was a, a Labrador mix and she, ch- she would chase her tail um, and she would get quite... Um, if you tried to interrupt it, like she'd get extremely frustrated. It was a need for her to become such a habit for her. It was a need, you mm-hmm. know, like people that um, have OCD. If you, if you try and interrupt them when they're in their sequence, it's actually really bad for them. Um, and they had said, oh, they, she'd been doing that since she was 12 weeks old. She was two mm. when I met her. Yeah, wow. Um, but it was, you know, when things – uh, when things changed in the room, she would she would chase the tail, and you know, they laughed. Yeah, you know, who hasn't, right? Yeah, yeah, like I'm yeah. not judging by any means, but there was always oh, look. She's so cute. She's chasing her tail. Ha! Oh, she caught her tail. For two years, this poor dog had been chasing her tail. Yeah, and that you know it only sort of became clear to me when you know I walked in the room and she was still this mm. and when they said that she'd been doing it when she was young, and they had said we thought she would grow out of it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and it's th- that is again that that wing on the floor one is a really interesting one. Like that releasing the releasing the bladder when somebody walks in the door, it does it provide relief, or is it actually so unconscious that it's just the muscles are relaxed? I think it's from I. It could be both. It could it? be both. I. Th- think i could be wrong if anyone does definitively know please please let us know yeah because i was genuinely asking yeah i don't know i mean i'm at the last um dog that did that with me she was seven months um and as soon as the caregiver opened the door to me and she said she she did it with anyone new mm-hmm. um interesting and it happened probably four times when I went to see this dog and it, there was quite a lot. Yeah. Um, and there was no change in the dog's behavior. I mean, she sprayed it everywhere with a tail. Um, and she, it wasn't that she lived in an apartment where she couldn't go to the toilet. So it wasn't that it was held in urine. Mm. Um, but then I saw her a bit later and it, and it, and it had stopped. Mm. So interesting. It's a good question though. Yeah. If it's well, I mean, maybe I would possibly think that maybe it gave the dog relief if I saw other behaviors like rolling on their back and mm. moving away. I've seen that before. Um, maybe that, yeah. No, yeah, no, like, I mean, like, as in, like, 
in just momentary, just like got like that moment of relief. Like who knows? Who knows? I really don't know. But I still rule of thumb to go back, and we'll wrap this up. Okay. Rule of thumb: if I hear, will my dog grow out of it? I would say most times no. I really look at what's causing it. Why is it happening? And is it some? If it's something you don't want to continue, which it probably is, if you're asking that question, um, look at like how can we set up the environment and the arrangement of things as to the order of which things happen to prevent that happening, so they don't mm. practice it. And think about a really clear structure plan as to what's your alternative behavior what do you want them to do instead like how would you get out what's your plan to stop it happening and redirect them to something else yeah i would agree yeah it's very unlikely that they will grow out of it i mean we could have, i mean first 10, 10 seconds we said no that was a bloody long podcast <laughs> <laughs> all right guys see you next week Thanks so much for listening. That's it for this week, guys. If you ever want to ask questions, give feedback, or just provide some suggestions regarding the podcast, find me on Ian Shivers Dog Advocate on Instagram. I'll be happy to help. If you're feeling really generous, leave us a review on whatever platform it is that you're listening to this podcast on. And if you want to nerd out more with us, then find our sponsors because they're the ones that make all of this possible. See you next week. This episode is sponsored by Canine Caregivers. I've had so many people reach out to me over the years, not knowing where to turn to online for reliable and consistent advice on how to raise a healthy and happy dog. The information out there is hard to navigate. It's hard to know who to trust and who not to trust. And frankly, some of it is just downright dangerous. That's why we created Canine Caregivers, a place where you can come and get educational resources and access a supportive community founded on the care approach for people just like you, whether you've just brought a dog into your life or you've got a dog that is experiencing some unwanted behaviors. The content is updated regularly and we constantly keep in touch with our members to make sure that we are bringing relevant and up-to-date content that truly matters to you. There's different tiers of membership for different needs. So you can be sure that you don't have to break the bank to access the information that can literally make all the difference to the quality of life between you and your dog. Head to caninecaregivers.com.au to learn more.